Could you ever imagine you'd have the Root of All Success Podcast, Results University, consulting clients that pay you big dollars, and sitting in a room at the Standard just talking to me? Like, <laughs> you'd have never thought that's how you'd be spending your Wednesdays. No. So thinking through that, like, just get started and take those steps. Those small acts of obedience are going to turn into really big things. It starts with making a decision today. So start today. In today's ultra-competitive business world, being a successful entrepreneur or business owner can be very challenging. Fortunately, contemporary times have blessed us with resources for tackling those challenges and getting us to success more quickly than we could have imagined. Welcome to The Root of All Success with The Real Jason Duncan, a podcast that explores how the world's most powerful entrepreneurs grow incredible companies. This podcast looks at the five keys to unlocking success as an entrepreneur. A successful educator turned entrepreneur, Jason's mission is to use his gifts of teaching and leadership to help others get the results they want out of life. Join Jason every week and learn the keys to grow a truly successful business. Hey there, I'm The Real Jason Duncan, and thank you for tuning in for The Root of All Success. This is the podcast where I interview super successful entrepreneurs and talk about their journey to success. If you're listening on any podcast player, whether it's Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever it is that you listen, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for taking the time to download this and listen to it. And if you think it's worthy of a five-star review, please go leave us a review and talk about how good it is so that other people can see it and hear it. And if you don't think it's worthy of five stars, send me an email. <laughs> Let's talk about what I can do to make it better. And for those of you that don't know, this podcast is also on YouTube. So I'm looking at the camera right now. We're, we're sitting here across the table live in front of each other, my guest and I today. And I'll tell you about where we are in a moment. But you can go to YouTube and watch this podcast at youtube.com slash C for channel slash The Real Jason Duncan. So that's youtube.com slash C slash the real Jason Duncan and you can watch this right on YouTube you can you can see uh, see the room that we're in you can see our guest you can see what we're talking about here live and in person here in Nashville at the Matador room in the standard at the Smith House which is an 18,000 square foot uh, building here's the oldest antebellum home still standing here in downtown Nashville I always refer to it as 18,000 square feet of the southern sophistication and style and it's owned by the one and only Joshua Sterling Smith as the proprietor um, my guests and I are both members here at the club. That's how we actually met. We'll talk about that later. But this club is, is fantastic. It's a private club, but it also has a restaurant downstairs. It's one of the top steak restaurants in Nashville. So if you ever come to Nashville, you need to go to the Standard and have a steak, have a dinner. It's fantastic. And if you're really nice to the wait staff and say, hey, I heard on the Root of All Success podcast that there's a private club upstairs. Could we get a quick tour? And they will be, if they have the time, they will be happy to give you a tour to take you upstairs. And of course, you can always look me up. I'm the real Jason Duncan on LinkedIn and Instagram. And if we connect before you come to Nashville, maybe I can give you a personalized tour of the standard. We love to do that. We're also honored to be syndicated as a podcast on the C-Suite Radio Network, where all top business podcasts are hosted. And I'm just honored to be there. So thank you for listening. Thank you guys for being here. And thank you to Josh and the staff at The Standard for being so accommodating and letting us be here today. Now, I have an episode sponsor, as I do every, every episode, and this sponsor is One9. Now, you don't know who One9 is yet, so let me tell you about that. You probably have a, have a website, and you probably aren't a website designer. You probably just have it and hope that it works. But the problem is, just like with most small business owners and entrepreneurs like me, like you, uh, the website designer is nowhere to be found. It's hard to get that guy back on the phone. You can't get, they don't answer email. Maybe they're out of business. Maybe they were a single shingle type of person designed your website years ago or months ago or last year and they, you can't find them. And you, you need it updated. You need a new phone number, a new email, a new offer that you're making. Well, one nine eliminates all of that. For a small, flat monthly fee, you can help let One9 help you take care of your website. They host it, they keep it secure, they keep it updated. They actually have 
one person on staff assigned to your website that goes through every single week and reads every word and clicks every link to make sure everything's working. And you get all of that for a flat, small monthly fee. They actually do my personal website, therealjasonduncan.com, and they do a phenomenal job. I had a pretty good website to start with, but I moved the hosting over to them to do all this service. And I'm telling you, I can't be more happy with them. They've done a fantastic job, changed the way some of the images look. We had some bad links. I even had a problem with third third person versus first person when I was talking about myself in the copy of the inter, of the website. And so they got all that done. So you can save $600 a year with a special code that you get as a listener of the root of all success. Go to managemywebsites.com. That's managemywebsites.com. S, make that plural, managemywebsites.com slash root, as in root of all success, and you're going to get a discount that's going to save you 600 bucks per year on that service. I highly recommend one nine. So go see them at managemywebsites.com slash root. All right, so now, enough with all that. Let's get on with the show. So my guest today, I am proud to say, is a very good friend of mine. Now, I know some of the people I have on the podcast, uh, I know them previous to coming on the podcast. Other people I've never met until they come on the podcast. I don't meet them until they walk in the room. But this is somebody that I'm honored to say I know as a friend and as a, uh, as a business partner. And we met actually here, as I said in the intro, at The Standard. So my guest is from a uh, small town, farm town in Wisconsin, where his mom uh, just babysat for extra money. Dad worked on a road construction crew. And he, uh, my guest, stumbled into entrepreneurialism by buying a a, uh, like a background screening company, I think it was in 2010. And then he took that company, turned it around, made it run better and sold it for a lot of money and then opened up another one and then another one and then another one. And today he has a part ownership or a piece of ownership in over 20 companies. And uh, like I said, this guy is salt of the earth, just a good dude. He's the, he's the guy I refer to in my friend circles as the blue collar millionaire. He's the guy that you would never suspect, but dude is deep absolutely deep knows more about business than pretty much anybody I know in any of my circles honored to be in a mastermind group of other men who follow Jesus and are executives and business owners and uh, I'm honored to have him today as my guest on the show and I want to welcome Mike Dalkey. thank you for being here Mike well thank you for having me Jason I appreciate it very much well this is a uh, I remember I was at the club here uh, hanging out one night and Josh was giving you a tour and uh, Josh is the owner of the club as I said a moment ago Josh was giving you a tour and you were walking out of the bar into the foyer, and I was walking down the hall coming into the same, and Josh goes, hey, you need to meet this guy. He has a company that does what, what one of your companies does in, uh, in uh, is it, Miss, Minneapolis. Minneapolis, Minnesota. And we shook hands for just a moment, like and that was about it. And then later, I don't even know how, how much longer it was, you might remember, a month or two or whatever it was, you, 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 that was your tour to become a member and you became a member and then we ended up sitting in the, uh, in the game room one night and kind of talked business and life and, and uh, just really hit it off. And now uh, we're doing business together and we're friends and, and you helped me get into the mastermind group that I'm in with you and the other guys. So I, I'm honored to know you, man. I really am. Well, it's funny that that chance meeting, I remember very, very well. And Christy was like, hey, Jason, we got to go with our kids. We need our kids. I remember thinking, well, they're leaving to take care of their kids. It was really abrupt. And then when we got back together, it, one of my favorite nights, that was a great night because you helped me save $140,000 on a, on a specific thing we were doing that was really stupid. But the other part was when we've had the nights where we've gotten the private bourbon tastings here and things like that. And, man, I've had some great nights with you, so I'm honored to call you my friend. Well, thank you. I, 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 uh, I forgot Christy was with me that night we met. But now, now that you say that, I remember because we were, I think we were running out. Something happened. We had to get home for, I don't even remember what it was, but, yeah, that's right. And then that night we got together, uh, we were just talking shop. And then it was months later you said, hey, by the way, that thing you told me to do saved $140,000. And I don't think I ever billed you for that. Yeah, I, think. Yeah. I will buy all the rum and whiskey and bourbon you want from now until eternity. <laughs> so tell, tell, uh, tell the listeners that, that kind of you started with this company called ASP Screening. You went and bought this company, does background checks. And evidently, based on the stories, was it was, it was kind of a, 
um, it was in, in disrepair as a company. And so tell, tell us about how you found that and what happened. Yeah, it's, uh, I'll try to be as short as I can on this story, but we, I was in the financial industry selling life insurance to business owners and I really loved talking shop with business owners. So I had no interest in working with W2s or even highly paid people. I just loved talking to carpet cleaners and refrigeration companies and all these guys that were doing really big things and then we'd sell life insurance to them for estate planning or whatnot. And I started to get the hint that I was doing the wrong thing. And God had a different plan for my life that I wanted to be in leadership. Went to the Global Christian Leadership Summit uh, hosted by uh, Willow Creek Church. Got all crazy inspired and said, I'm done. I'm going to start a business. And Bill Lynch uh, helped me get some confidence in that arena. He didn't uh, wasn't an investor, but he. Uh, we'll talk about him when you get a little bit later, I'm sure. But... Uh, I start, I talked to two partners on the golf course, said, let's buy a company. And they said, let's do it. And so we all pitched in and bought a background check company from a broker, had no idea what we were doing, uh, walked into it. And uh, this was, you know, hopefully the statute of limitations is gone on this, but <laughs> it was custom made software to do credit checks and background checks. Well, you need to keep some security on that stuff when you have people's social security, but there wasn't any because it was custom. So within the first 30 days of buying that company, we got a notice from Equifax. They were going to shut us down because we were violating pretty much every security law and fair credit reporting law that we could, that we could think of. We had no idea going into the transaction. The owner was uh, almost running bankrupt at that time. He had not paid his vendors. And so it was my first turnaround. Didn't realize it was a turnaround. Thought it was going to be a great business. Had no idea what I was doing. Got lucky. We worked 80, 90 hour weeks, turned it around, sold it to a much bigger company who didn't need all of our infrastructure. So they paid way too much for it. And then parlayed it into window cleaning companies and other blue collar companies to get to where we're at today. So that was the very first turnaround, and it was completely on accident. And so that was about 2010, is that right? Yeah, about 2010. So how long did you own that before you turned it over to somebody else? I think, it was, somebody I think else? it was about 18 months. Oh, quick. Yeah, it was really, really quick. We found a software-as-a-service platform that had all the security stuff. Uh, we got yelled at by clients every single day for probably six, uh, probably six to eight weeks because they had to pay to be moved over and they had to go through these new things where they were just used to just going onto our site. So once we got them all switched over, it was really a beautiful thing because we had all of this infrastructure, rents and things like that that the big company didn't want. Background checks are just data. So they just wanted access to the data. They could buy the data at a lower cost than we could and they didn't have to have all the rent and stuff like that. So it was a win-win transaction. It was a very good exchange for both of us. And we ended up hiring all of the employees from the background check company for our next company. So nobody lost their job either. <laughs> so what was that next company? So the next company was Blue Skies, uh, which is the one where I spent seven years growing and we bought other companies inside that. It was a window cleaning business. It was six months after we bought ASP. Got a call from the same broker, said, I've got another great deal for you. I said, I am so excited. And they said, well, the manager's embezzling cash. Um, there's only one employee, and he's actually too uh, overweight to, to be on the ladder for a window cleaning company. It has one creepy van. It has a pressure washer and, you know, some note cards with some names on it that you can call for customers. And I said, yeah, that sounds like a great business. Are you kidding me? And she said, well, it was for sale for $120,000. It's for sale for thirty if you can do it this week. I said, wow, this is great. Any other good news? And she said, oh, yeah, uh, there's actually a lot of other great news. Um, the, your uh, other employee will quit the first day. He doesn't want to work for anybody else. Uh, the owner has a skydiving business, and he's going to go to jail for smuggling uh, pot across state lines in his airplanes. Like It was the biggest disaster of all time. And I still don't know, Jason, why we said, yeah, we'll do that. So we did it. And uh, that company went from 60,000 in revenue to 3.6 million. We hired a CEO. Uh, he's running the company still to this day. He's had numerous other offshoots off of that business and it's been a beautiful thing for us. Oh my gosh. So, uh, so don't, uh, don't judge a book by its cover. I mean, if you've got the proper mechanics, systems, processes, and places, and, in the background, you got all those people to do it right. You can take a going running into the ground company at sixty thousand dollars, turn it into three point six million. Yeah, how did that take? Uh, that was six years, I believe, to get it to that that uh, that Still point. Still pretty fast. Still pretty fast. So all right, so you got ASP, 
bought, sold, blue skies, bought. Is that sold or still part of part of the portfolio? Still on that. All right, still part of the portfolio, but you didn't stop there. You moved on to Red Hook, right? Red Hook Investments. Yeah. So what's uh, what's up with that? What does that do? Yeah, so Red Hook was born out of starting to do deals outside of these guys. So Dan Plata, who's an awesome CEO, took over for me, and he was running the business. And I said, okay, I got to find a job. You know, when you you tell your wife for the first time, hey, you're going to buy a struggling background check company and she agrees to it and then you say you're going to buy this disaster of a window cleaning company and she agrees to it and then you get to this point where you say hey i've built this nice life for us i'm going to quit it's really uh, a unique thing and you got to figure out something you're going to do next so i started looking around at what's really fascinating and motivating for me and it was turnarounds we had done a couple of acquisitions at blue skies that were turnarounds we had done the asp screening deal that was a turnaround and so I just loved the high stakes nature and the fight your way out of the corner aspect of it. There's no day that's the same and it's just a ton of fun. Not for everybody, but it was for me. So we started Red Hook. We did an investment in California, which we said we would never do, but we did. Uh, and then we started doing other turnarounds and other startups and other investments through that. And so that is a company that does turnarounds three to four a year. How's that going? I love it. Um, I was just telling uh, your assistant on the way up, I lead the most interesting life. No day is the same. It's always an adventure. And some days I'm bored and some days it's like, holy cow, how the heck are we going to get this thing done? And I just have so much fun. Well, that's the, and, and that I say this frequently on the podcast, but as an entrepreneur, right? So you bought a couple of businesses and did turnarounds, but then as an entrepreneur, you started a company to go do that. So so it's not just we were just buying companies. You're, you're, you started a company to do this on purpose. But for every entrepreneur, there's this invisible horizontal line that runs through the life of an entrepreneur that only the entrepreneur can see. And below that line, if you go below that line, you're out of business or bankrupt or worse, right? But you're the only person that knows how close you are to that line at any given time. And that's the life of the entrepreneur. It's like, okay, I'm doing great. I'm a couple of inches above the line. Things are okay. And then, oh, crap, I'm a centimeter or a millimeter above the line. And then the next day, you're one mile above the line and things are great. And people think it's just this, um, this nice hockey stick straight line up and to the right. Uh-uh. <laughs> how close... Can you, if you got a story off the top of your head about being really close to the line at some point that only you knew about? Oh, my gosh. I mean, how many times did we have to put money in for payroll on Friday? I mean, I bet uh, personally we did that 15 times in the first couple of years where I had to go to my wife and say, hey, babe, I'm really sorry, but we need to put another you know, 10000 in for payroll. And she'd look at me and... It was always okay, except when I did it without asking, which happened uh, a couple of times. But we've been there, oh my gosh, so many times uh, in a seasonal business where in Minneapolis, you don't clean windows in the winter. Every single January, I felt broke uh, for six years because you just don't know if there's any, you know that the season's going to start up again in April, but you watch your bank accounts go down all winter long. And so there was like there was quite a few times uh, that we were really close. Uh, at our uh, most recent turnaround, the electrical company up in Minnesota, we were on the brink so many times where I would call one of my partners and say, "I need you to wire a hundred thousand in right now. I can maybe get it back to you in a couple of days." And they would put it in. We'd cover payroll and we'd live to fight another day. Or the bank would come in and they would bring in their big suits, you know, from Chicago, and they would say, "We're going to shut you down if you don't do this, this, and this." And we had to do this, this, and this. And if we didn't, a couple times we didn't do that. So it has been high stakes every step of the way for yeah. us. Well, and that's the, that's what separates business owners from entrepreneurs, isn't it? I mean, business owners are important and valuable to society as our entrepreneurs, as our employees. But business owners, they they don't do they don't take the risk and the innovation the same way that an entrepreneur does. So an entrepreneur is going to risk something and build something new and they're going to innovate and because of that desire to innovate and to risk they will push through and they will suffer and endure where business owners are like ah, why am i doing this let's let's get out of this so i love what you're saying and i hope that listeners understand that business ownership most entrepreneurs own a business uh not all do uh, but all small business owners are not entrepreneurs and i don't think people realize that it's you can go buy a subway. That's fine. And you're a business owner. That's great. Now, if you f- somehow figure out how to turn that into uh, where you own 3,000 subways, okay, now you're 
probably an entrepreneur because you've risked and innovated a lot of things. So you have risked and innovated a lot. I mean, you own over 20 companies now, and most of those, based on what I know about you, they're, they're uh, blue-collar stuff. They're service or businesses. Is that is that right? Absolutely. And that's where you learn when you were selling life insurance. You're like, this is what I like. I like doing this. Mm-hmm. What is it about that, that you think that you that draws you to that? You know, I grew up in a, a, a farm town, like you said in the introduction. And my mom's side was all blue-collar Democrat factory workers. My dad's side was white-collar professors and business people from a Republican standpoint. And I remember uh, sitting in my grandfather, the blue-collar Democrat union factory worker, and he said, I think you're going to grow up to be a good business person. You're good at math, things like that, which will probably make you a Republican. And he was really disdainful about that. And I said, well, what's the problem? And he said, well, you're going to treat the blue-collar guys like us completely different. And I said, are you kidding me? Why can't I do both? And it didn't occur to him that there could be a both. And so in the world that I live today, I grew up with a dad where we roofed houses on the side. We cut firewood on the side. He burned a work ethic into me uh, on the blue collar side. It wasn't, hey, be really smart. It was you work really hard. So I have a significant passion for blue collar workers and how that they're treated by the people who own the businesses and things like that. So it's a little bit of my personal passion, but it's also just the way I was created in my household and in my family and growing up in a farm town. Yeah. And so uh, from what I know about you being, uh, you know, running companies and watching you from, from the sidelines, how you're doing it, you spend a lot more time in the field than most CEOs of companies. You're out walking the job sites, looking, meeting with the electricians, meeting with the plumbers, meeting with the, you know, the, the cleaners, whatever it is, more than sitting at the boardroom table, right? And, uh, but well, I think what, and this is what endears me to you. And I think a lot of people to you is that a lot of people would assume that that means you don't know the numbers. You don't know what's going on in the black and whites and the P and L's and the balance sheets, but <laughs> you know, that stuff, you know, it's certainly better than me. Uh, cause we look at stuff together, but you also know that better than most people. How, how did you, how did that happen? How did you know how to read P and L's and balance sheets and general ledgers and income statements and and uh, accounts payable and receivable. How did you learn how to do that and analyze that as well as you can? That's a really great question. Um, (laughs) As you know, I'm a walking cliche or an enigma. Uh, I wear Carhartt vests and jeans most of the time, but I also have a $2,500 suit in my closet. So I'm this weird dichotomy of one side or the other. There's no middle ground. I'm either on the job site or I'm in the boardroom. I think for me, I studied Warren Buffett a lot and really read his shareholder letters over and over again. I read all the books that he had. I read a bunch of books on private equity and the idea of investing was always really attractive to me. My grandfather on the white collar Republican side was a corporate executive and he was very interested in stocks and finance and he got me interested in it too. So. I always had an interest in that. And when you start looking at what really makes a good investment, you start really understanding the P&L and the balance sheet and all of those things. There's the the wild and crazy entrepreneur comes and says, I need a million bucks for this idea on a napkin. That's not the type of stuff that I'm good at. What I'm good at is here's the business I have. I can look at those financials pretty quickly and say, here's what you got to do and here's what's got to change because I've looked at thousands of them through our investing and things that we've tried to do. Well, I think that's a good place to kind of look at these five keys of success, because I think what you just referred to is that you've prepared yourself to be able to be successful in that arena because you spent so much time doing it, reading about it, listening to it. So in this, this theory that I alluded to at the beginning of the, of the podcast today, there's these five keys that I believe lead to success for every entrepreneur. And I've studied dozens and dozens and dozens of entrepreneurs, some of them just very casually over a glass of whiskey here at the, at the Standard or, or lunch out somewhere, and others more, much more formally like what we're doing today. And every time, man, every single time, and you know this about me, I've, I, this is not a new conversation for you and me, but it's these five things appear every time. And they're the same keys that unlock success for all these successful entrepreneurs. And whether it's the single digit millionaire entrepreneur or the guy who just sold his company for nine figures, Every single one of them are using the same keys. The first key I, I've uncovered and believe that is, is passion. 
And passion is, of course, on one side, this being excited about things and you love it. Like you love connecting with the blue collar side of things. You love that. There's a passion in there. But the other side of passion is this willingness to endure. And that goes back to that horizontal line concept. Like a small business owner is not going to be willing to endure that close to the line where an entrepreneur will. So how does passion in the sense of willingness to endure play into Mike Dawkey's life as an entrepreneur? I think there's two big ways for it. I definitely am passionate about the blue collar, uh, the blue collar person. And there is a lot of excitement and energy that I have with that. One of my favorite things to do on an airplane when people ask, what do you do for a living? I say, I'm a window cleaner and then see how they treat me. It's just awesome. You know, some people are, Oh, tell me more. Some people are, Oh, it's a window cleaner. Uh, so there is definitely that, but from a willingness to endure standpoint, I think there's really two things. One, I never want to see a good business go bad. And as you know, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, that line is always moving and you're always up and down. And sometimes it just gets too low for that entrepreneur at that point in time. And I love coming in and I'm willing to just sit there and take the lumps. We're working on a turnaround right now where I told the guy, all of the mean calls come to me from <laughs> now on. I will take every hit for the next 30 days from all of the people who are mad at you. You have to go back out and sell. And willing to endure the violence of uh, verbal abuse that I will take in that scenario, but freeing him up to go out and do what he's truly best in the world at is super exciting to me. And then the other side of that, from willingness to endure, I am on a journey where I'm trying to mirror the biblical principles that I value and hold dear with my business life. So all of the Proverbs, and you've got your Fridays uh, that you do on LinkedIn with the Proverbs, all of those and all of the lessons that I'm learning on my own walk as a Christian, I'm trying to apply in the most relevant and practical sense to a business perspective. And I'm willing to suffer and endure if I'm wrong on those because I think that that's the right way to live. Yeah, and I think that that's uh, – and I, I'm encouraged to hear you say that because I know that there's a lot of listeners who are people of faith and they follow Jesus and they are trying to balance out. Well, how do we balance out this – this concept of being uh, a servant leader with being the boardroom boss and being that being this take take no prisoners entrepreneur and I think that you're an example a walking example of how you can be successful without being ruthless without without applying the laws of power in a negative way you can apply them in a positive positive way and I and I and I appreciate your reference to my weekly wisdom videos I do a weekly wisdom video for business leaders every every Monday a hashtag weekly wisdom and I'm I'm looking at these proverbs it's like Solomon wrote all this stuff and it was just observations about what was going on in life he wasn't writing instructions he was like hey if you are a man of integrity you're probably going to succeed if you're a liar you're probably not and he was just recognizing that and as you and I as business leaders we can go huh there's some wisdom in that how do I apply that how can I use that as leverage um so the second P, Mike, is, is not just passion. That's the first thing, but it's being in the right place at the right time. I, I got to think that you selling life insurance, the way that you're selling it, where you're selling it, had a lot to do with the right place at the right time. But I could be wrong. But like your success as an entrepreneur who has developed and built big companies for lots of money and lots of revenue, where do you think that place was that led to your success? There's probably a hundred of them to be candid. I've joked uh, with all seriousness that I've been in the right place, uh, the right time, a lot of times and been really lucky. I've worked really hard to get in those places. But the one that jumps out is I was walking through a career fair. I was, I ran a college pro painting franchise in college. So I had my own business. I'd ran it for two years. I was about to buy a Paul Davis restoration franchise and be in a blue collar space. And I had that all planned out. I was going to make really good money. And I was walking through a career fair, jeans and a t-shirt, everyone else is in suits, trying to impress the people that are trying to recruit them. And I saw this booth for Northwestern Mutual and it said top 10 internship in the country. And there's this guy just smiling away, looking really silly. And I said, ah, ah, do I do this? So I walked up to him and he said, Hey, how are you doing? I said, well, I'm doing better than you because if you were the best internship, you'd be advertising that instead of top 10. And he says, oh, are you the guy from UW-Stout? And I said, Stout? They're the worst university in the history of the planet. We have a mutual friend from Stout, so I'm really joking. Uh, but I'm from, I went to UW-Eau Claire, and he says, well, I was Valedictorian of Stout. And I said, well, I'm sorry to hear that. You know, like, you're probably like bottom of the class here. And so we just 
we're just jiving back and forth on each other. And again, I'm in jeans and a white T-shirt. He's in a you know, three-piece three suit. So he says, why don't you come into the office and meet my wife? And I said, dude, you're just crazy. I'm like, that's outside the realm of normal. And he said, no, 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 you'll do a personality test and see if this would be a good fit for you. And I said, ah, sure, I'll come in. And so no intention of being an intern for Northwestern or working with them. Took the personality test. Turns out that I was 100% not a good fit to sell life insurance. <laughs> Horrible. Uh, my actual aptitude from high school, from the aptitude test, is a bricklayer. That was the number one thing that I was predicted to be in high school. So after that, he said, well, you're not a good fit to sell life insurance, but you are the first person I've ever, ever seen who scored 100% reliability, which means you were honest in every single answer across the bay. So I'd like to offer you an internship. And I said, okay, cool. And next thing you know, out of 1,500 internship interns, I placed fifth in the country. Uh, our team was number one. We beat out Harvard and Yale and all those big schools. And we were this little dinky town of uh, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, with a median income of 18000 So that was the first time I was in the right place at the right time and saw a guy who taught me all about leadership. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I had not heard that story. That's pretty, that's pretty amazing. Now, does that, is that guy still around? Does he know the tremendous entrepreneurial success you've achieved since then? It's funny that you say that. I saw him in Indianapolis a week or two ago where we got to connected for the first time probably in three or four years. He's now a managing partner. He's moved up. We had a half an hour conversation together. I brought him his favorite Starbucks, and we had a great conversation. He said, next time you're in town, come over. It was great to see him. So he knows, uh, and I thanked him profusely for everything he's done for me. Well, I, I, I appreciate, too, that in that story, you said, when I said that the being in the right place at the right time is a key to success, and you told that story about being at that internship fair, that, that job fair, but you said, I've worked hard to put myself in those places. What do you mean by that? Well, even today, a membership at the Standard, what's a window cleaner doing with a membership at the Standard, right? I have no business being here, uh, and I have worked really hard to be involved with stuff with you and the Mastermind and the Standard and been in those places. But I've also just said yes to a lot of things that people would say no to. Why would you ever invest in a business that's got losing revenue, it's got an employee you're going to fire, and it's just a bunch of boxes with names on them? Why would you do that? And so the more and more I said yes to harder and harder challenges, I got introduced to people that said, hey, that looks really hard. You're going to need some help. Let me help you. And so I just kept consistently saying yes to be in places that I had no business, be at tables I have no business at, and it's worked out really, really well for me. So it sounds to me like the takeaway that we could have as listeners to the podcast is that Yes, being at the right place at the right time is a key to success, but that doesn't mean you can stay at home all the time and just magically be transported into the right place. You got to work. You got to get out there. You got to rub elbows. You got to go shake hands. You got to get out in places. And like you, you know, coming here to the standard, we wouldn't be friends. We wouldn't be business partners. We wouldn't be in the mastermind had you not been here. So this is also not only a right place for you, but also a right place for me. It's, it's for, and for probably hundreds of other people as well. The third P is people. And for those, for those that are watching on the video, uh, I, when I teach these, I teach these with a hand signal so that you can remember them. So passion is the thumbs up. So if you're listening, you can't see this, but it's thumbs up. Uh, P for place is your index finger pointing somewhere. Like that's, you're pointing at a place. And third P is your middle finger and it's people. <laughs> so I hope that the YouTube editors don't use that particular, uh, <laughs> that thumbnail uh, for this, this uh, podcast. But uh, the third P is people and it's knowing the right people. And I think that, uh, you, you know, you mentioned this guy that you ran, to, ran into at the, at the fair. Obviously he's one of your people. But you, you mentioned the name Bill Lynch earlier, and I don't know if he is one of your people or not. I think that he is, but I want to give you the opportunity to talk to the listeners and to me, like who are the right people in your life that help get you to success? The, there are so many. Um, I couldn't, I could spend the whole hour we have together telling you about all the people who have contributed, but it really started with my mom and dad. My mom taught me to be a good human being. I, I still remember the lessons. And my dad taught me an unrelenting work, work ethic in our small town. Numerous people would come up to me out of nowhere and say, nobody works harder than a donkey. And it was a fam family thing. People knew my Uncle Steve would do it. They knew my dad would do it. They knew I would do it. So we had a reputation 
of working really hard. So they were the start, teaching me the values and the way to live and the way to work. From there, David Keeker, the guy I was just talking about, was instrumental. When I left, Bill Lynch, I saw him. I had met Bill at my wedding reception. He's my wife's uncle. Didn't know him from Adam. We had a couple beers. We had a lot of fun. And then saw him at another wedding reception in New York. And he just randomly said, hey, why don't, we, uh, why don't I buy a company and you run it for me? And I was what, what? I'm a life insurance sales guy. How am I going to run a company? And he said, ah, you'll learn that. It's not about that. It's about who you are and how hard you work and how much you obsess and all of the intangible things. For That's what I'm looking for in a guy who's going to run a company. And I just kind of looked at him like, what are you talking? I don't know lighting. I don't know any of this. But what he did in that moment is he gave me the confidence to know that because of who I am and how hard I work, that I could figure stuff out and learn different things that were specific to the business. At that moment, I had confidence that I could sell life insurance to business owners. I didn't have confidence that I could run a $10 million company. But he lent that confidence to me, which led me to the global leadership and then my partners and, and all of that. So fast forward that a little bit further. And the other one that I would say is extremely valuable to me is Michael Kaplan, who you have met. Yeah. Uh, and man, I used to take him out for Juicy Lucy hamburgers once a month at the 5A Club in Minneapolis and just ask him everything I could think of. He was running a big carpet cleaning business. I was running a window cleaning business that was three years behind. So all the mistakes he did, I just didn't do. And all the things that he did that worked, I did those. So I got this education in the real world by just following him. And now, as you know, he's my business partner, one of my closest friends, and he has helped me more than I could ever imagine. Yeah. It's, isn't it great to be able to stop a moment and look back and go, wow, look, look at how this person influenced and changed my life. And, and all of it, well, most of us can say our parents like you did. Most, most of us have good relationships with our parents, I hope. And they can look back and say, mom and dad did great things. Like my mom and dad did fantastic things for me too. But, but besides that, because that's kind of a given, that's like answering Jesus in Sunday school. Like, of course, Jesus is the answer, but what else is there? But these other people, like, uh, what was the guy's name? Krager? What was his name? The, Dave Keeger. Dave Keeger. Dave Keeger. And then you talked about Bill. And, uh, like, isn't it great to think how influential those people were? But then... The flip side of that, Mike, is that you and I are that person to somebody else. And we might not even know it yet, like, but we are that person to somebody else. Just like Bill walking up to you and say, hey, well, you know, you're a great dude. I'm going to put you, let's run a company. You run a company. All right. So there's a conversation you've probably had with some younger person than you today that is also influential. And they're probably going to be sitting on a podcast at some point in the future going, yeah, Mike Dawkey was that guy for me. You know, how cool is that? Doesn't that feel great? It is. It's unbelievable. And uh, you may know this, but the thing that I'm passionate about, not from a willingness to endure, maybe a little bit, but the entire investment thesis that we have is to invest in people like that. So instead of putting money into the stock market where JP Morgan goes up and that's great and I make more money, well, it really only benefits me. But when I invest in Gabe Torres or Ryan Edrington or Bobby Walker or some of these guys that are at a window cleaning business and they're, they're just fighting the fight and they get a little bit of money and they shoot like a rocket. They get a little bit of guidance and they shoot like a rocket. That is so motivating for me and for them. It helps so many more people. So our investment thesis really isn't about making money. It's about making more friends and making more money. And so 100% agree with I you. I love that. I love that. Now the fourth P that I talk about. So we got passion on the thumb. We got place on the index finger. We've got people on the middle finger. And we got on the on the index finger, which is the hardest finger to put up, is, is this word called preparation. And there's always this story of how you are prepared to succeed. Uh, the only people who succeed without preparation financially, let, let's say, let me, let me caveat, are people who win the lottery, like, or, or the, the most recently cryptocurrency. Like if you accidentally put 60 bucks in and tomorrow you're a millionaire, like that, you didn't prepare, you got lucky. But for entrepreneurs, preparation is a requirement. It, it is something you've got to put in the time to get the know-how to do it. And for you, what was that preparation that prepared you to own 20-plus companies and be the super successful entrepreneur that you are today? Well, I would say there's a lot of it that goes back to reading those Warren Buffett shareholder letters and engaging in contact that, content that was meaningful, getting involved with people like you and masterminds and just trying to be a sponge and learning as much as you can. 
the preparation that I do still to this day, Steve Min, uh, Mnuchin, the former Treasury Secretary, he said in an interview once, he said, first make the plan, then figure out how you're going to fund it. So plan what you're going to do, figure out what you're going to do, and then figure out the resources you need to move. And so that's still the strategy I have today. Okay, I'm going to buy this company. All right, now I need a guy to run it. I need some money behind it. I need a bit to tweak the business model. But figure out what you're going to do, then prepare for all the other stuff. So we're still doing a lot of preparation ahead of time because of that. So we're looking at which businesses and business models and industries that we're excited about and preparing so that if there's something that happens in the electrical space, we're ready. But if it happens in the you know tech world or venture cat, we're not interested. We're doing the same thing with business people. We're trying to find leaders who want to run companies because we've got more money and opportunities than we got great people to run. So we are preparing and finding people and getting relationships built so that when the time comes, we can say, hey, Steve, we're ready for you. We got a company. We got the money. All you got to do is put in your two weeks and you got a 10% equity stake in a company bigger than you ever imagined. Let's do this. So we're always preparing to have better leaders business models that make sense and have money ready to execute. Oh, I love that. I, now, what, now, the cynic in me, though, would say about Steve Mnuchin is that, okay, they can put a plan in place, and the way they're going to fund it is just raise my taxes, right? <laughs> but, but, but is there, this, this kind of leads me to the final P, which is plan. So there's the preparation, which is figuring out the know-how to do it, but the plan is the strategy to obtain and deploy the resources required to fund it, to make it happen so from a financial standpoint. So ASP because that was that was business number one right how what was your plan there like how did you plan to do that and then any of the other 20 plus companies that you own now or have owned what was your plan to get those funded and to obtain and deploy those those resources <laughs> well uh if i'm being completely transparent i thought when we bought asp the plan was we put the money in and it would just print money uh, like what people think of the business owner today right You're this rich guy who sits on a pedestal and Oh, you own a business. We still have family members in my family that are like, oh, you own a business. So you, everything is great in your life. And I was, uh, there's a lot of great stuff. But as you know, that's not how it works. Yeah. So there was no plan with ASP. And it, we got punched in the face. Uh, it was brutal. It turned out great. But we had to go to work every single day and bust our butt. Fast forward to some of the other ones. We started a window cleaning company here in Nashville that we now service 900 accounts. We clean the windows here at the Standard and on a, re on a weekly, monthly, or quarterly basis. And when we started that one, I said, oh, man, what am I going to do? we got to figure out some way to get winter revenue. we got no winter revenue. Every winter I feel like I'm broke. So I'm going to start a route work window cleaning that goes through the winter. And I said, well, I don't know anyone who cleans windows here. don't know anyone who's going to do this think I need about 50,000 bucks to hire someone to sell, hire someone to train, and have enough working capital in the bank to handle when customers don't pay for 90 days. So I called Michael Kaplan. This is a 100% true story. I said, Kaplan, I think I'm going to start a route work window cleaning basis business. He said, okay, you've told me for the last five years how stupid that business is. Your average job size is $28. You have no trucks, no brand, no loyalty, and it's a race to the bottom. Why the heck would you want to do this? I said, because I think I can, and I think it would be great if you could build it so it's big enough that you could squeeze out some of those competitors. He said, how much do you need? And I said, I think 50000 And he said, sounds like a horrible idea. I said, I, it might be. And he goes, I'm in for your whole, I'm in for all of your stupid ideas. Here's fifty grand, And he that was the end of the conversation. And we went to work and we figured, hey, let's just go roll up our sleeves and fight it out. We executed the plan that we had, but everything kept changing with that plan. We thought we'd hire this guy and then he wouldn't work out. And then we'd hire this guy and it wouldn't work out. So we had a plan, it just, we got punched in the face. Now fast forward that few to where we are today. The things that we do today are much more like a Swiss watch when we're putting it together. We need the bank to agree to this, the investor to agree to this, the refinance to do this, the customer to do this, and there's lots of moving parts. So now we have a lot more planning that goes into everything. If we're doing a $10 million deal, there is a lot of minutia in there. So started with no plan, got a little better, but had people that believed in me, and now People don't even ask questions because they know that I've done the minutiae and the planning ahead of time. Your reputation uh, will precede you. 
will precede you no matter good or bad. Like if you, if you, like what you just talked about, Mike, you, you, you put in the work, you put in the time, you have the success record, track record to do it. So now that reputation precedes you. People say, hey, he's got a new idea. Here's, here's half a million dollars. Because it's not 50 anymore. It's half a million or, or more. It's a lot of money. But also, as an entrepreneur, you got to remember for the people listening is that your reputation precedes you even the negatively. Like if you are not faithful in the little things, like if you're late to work all the time and your employees not, and you come to somebody who knows that about you, say, hey, I want to start a business. Uh, no, you're late to work every day. Why would I give you any money or help you when you're not faithful in the easy stuff? Because entrepreneurship is tough. It is really tough. This whole show is based on the concept of success, the root of all success. And you, uh, by any measure, by many measures actually, uh, not just family, you know, your faith, all the finances, business, you're a successful person. And I hope that that's come through what we've talked about. But what, how do you define success? Because how you define it is really what's the most important thing about you, because it doesn't matter what the listener sitting in his car in rush hour right now thinks about you and are you successful. It's what do you think? So what, what is your definition of success? Yeah, so for me, I stole this from Dan Sullivan from The Strategic Couch. It's freedom of time, money, relationships, and purpose. I have the freedom to do what I want when I want to do it. I have the resources to do what I want when I want to do it with who I want to do it with. And I can have whatever purpose I want, whether that's my family, it's the, the local charity, or it's making more money in business. I want no strings attached and complete freedom. So there's, there's a lot of successes that have happened. There's a lot of failures. But for me, that's the journey I'm on. I want to create more freedom of time, money, relationships, and purpose. So with that definition in mind, do you consider yourself to be successful? I consider myself working towards being successful. <laughs> well, you know, the, the, the dictionary definition of success, well, I, I certainly don't disagree with Dan. That's 100%. It's even one of my life goals. I want a complete freedom over time, energy, and money. That's, that's, it's written. I read that every morning. But I, but I would say that the dictionary definition of success is achieving the results you intended. So in many ways, you're already successful because you had a, you, hey, I want to have a successful marriage. And I happen to know your wife. And you have a successful marriage on all accounts, public, you know, public accounts. I don't know what goes on behind closed doors, but it looks like a successful marriage, seems like a successful marriage. You want to be a successful father. You want to raise great kids. And you've got your two, the two boys that I have met. I've still, I don't think I've ever met your newest addition to the family. Uh, maybe, maybe once or something. But anyway, you, you've got great boys who are full of life and shake your hand and look at you in the eye when you introduce them to people like me. So that's successful. You want to create profitable businesses and you've done that. So Mike, you are successful. And I appreciate the humility that you want to be more successful and that there are other things to achieve. Uh, but I think none of us would fault your humility in saying I want to be more successful or I'm working towards it. But brother, you are, you are successful. You're successful as a friend too. Well, I appreciate that. You know, one of the interesting things about that, because I've listened to your podcast now that it's been out, and I've heard you ask that, and I've thought a lot about um, success. And one of my mentors early on used to say, at every level of success that I achieved, I thought it'd be better than it would be. So I'd make my first million, I thought that would be better than it was. And then I'd, you know, have a company that hit the Inc. 500 or whatever it was, and I thought it'd be better than it was. And I've always taken that approach and said, gosh, you know what? I don't want that to be what it's about. I don't want to get to a level and be like, gosh, you know what? It wasn't as good. What's really good is watching my kids play with each other or smoking a cigar and drinking a whiskey with you. Like that's the stuff that's really good for me and that I enjoy the most. Well, and, and, and that's really, if you think about it in the terms of entrepreneurialism, entrepreneurs are always looking for that or they should be, they should be looking for that opportunity to, 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 Take the time to enjoy it. I know a lot of entrepreneurs who work 100% of the time, and they're super successful in terms of their businesses is making a lot of money. They make a lot of money. They can go where they want when they want, but they don't ever go anywhere. And for me, it's like, as a coach, I want to go, hey, like, what are you doing this for? Because at one point, you know, all, you're not going to have the energy to go do what you want to do. I did, a, I did a story on my Instagram, I think it was last Friday, 
and I just posted me shutting my computer off. It was like 6.30. I'd been, it was a long, long day. And I said, guys, I'm doing this. I turned and I reached over and turned my computers off, my, both my screens. I said, please go do what, go, do what I'm doing and go spend the time with the people you do all this for. And I, I, I love that you love hanging out with your family because family is a big part of who you are. And I know you try to take Thursdays and make that family day. And I, I admire that about you. Are there other, like, there are a lot of entrepreneurs listening to this right now who have not gotten started or they just got started. What would you say to that person? He's sitting in his car, she's, she's running, you know, walking her dog around the neighborhood and they just want a little encouragement from a super successful entrepreneur who's humble about it. <laughs> what would you tell them? What's your advice? I would say start with as little risk as you can, but start right now. So you're in the car, you've got an idea, there's something you wanna do. There's one step you can do right now that will start, whether it's wanna buy a coffee shop. Well, good, Google right now, coffee shops for sale in Nashville. Or I wanna start a, um, a whiskey company like Jason, right? Okay, well research, how do I start a whiskey? Do the one thing. Don't overanalyze, don't overplan. What you decide to do is gonna change 36 times in the next 30 days because it's just the way entrepreneurism works. So start. Don't risk everything, just start, take a risk right now, and you'll build that muscle of being able to take a little bit of risk and a little bit of risk and a little bit of risk and a little more risk and a little more risk. And next thing you know, you're gonna look back and go, the last 10 years have been exhilarating and I'm way further than I've ever been. One of my favorite things to do uh, is at the end of every year, I talk to people that are saying, oh man, it's a hard year, it was Corona, and I said, like, great, could you ever imagine five years ago that you'd be where you are today? I mean, even you, Jason, five years ago, you're running ELS, you're selling retrofits, could you ever imagine you'd have the Root of All Success podcast, Results University, consulting clients that pay you big dollars, and sitting in a room at the Standard just talking to me? Like, <laughs> you'd have never thought that's how you'd be spending your Wednesdays. No. So, thinking through that, like, just get started and take those steps. Those small acts of obedience are gonna turn into really big things. You know, I, that is golden, golden advice. I, I saw on Instagram this morning a little encouraging, I don't know, they're not really memes because memes are like poking fun at people, but just a little, little encouragement card that said, the million dollar stock portfolio started with one purchase. It just, like one purchase. And so what you're saying is that, that entrepreneur, entrepreneurs who are listening to this that want to be tremendously successful, that 10 years from now, if they can even visualize themselves in that place, it starts with making a decision today. So start today. What would you say, um, Mike, what are the biggest one or two or three or whatever impediments to success? Because there's the, the not to-do list is, is just as important as the to-do list. So what would you tell entrepreneurs, hey, these are the things that are going to hold you back watch out for this. I would say the number one thing is ego uh, and wrapped in there is comfort. So I'm really comfortable in my job. I make you know, 120,000 at IBM and man, that's comfortable. I've got a good life. Well, to get a great life and to get to what you really want, you're going to have to get over the fact that you made 120 grand and you might have to make 40 or zero or something different. So or negative, you, or, or negative <laughs> right? That could be your first year and you have to be okay with that. And there is something about entrepreneurism where you get punched in the face a lot and you have to go through with egoless clarity and say, what's the best solution for this scenario? Whether I come up with it or they come up with it or somebody else does. So I'd say ego uh, and comfort are, are wrapped in there. The other one that I would say is viewing obstacles as as problems versus opportunities. So we need 50 grand in the bank. We need it by Friday. That's an obstacle. We got a, is it a problem? No, it's an opportunity. Let's call our customers, see if they'll prepay for something. Let's figure that out. Customer calls in and says, I'm really mad about the service I got. Is that a problem? No, that's a customer service opportunity. So let's, let's call them and let's show them how great we can be at customer service, even though we screwed up. Now, the only where that place that doesn't work is drinking. Like you don't, there's a drinking problem, not a drinking opportunity, right? <laughs> but in general, uh, view the obstacles as op opportunities. Those are the raw materials that give you what you need to show that you can handle anything from a problem-solving standpoint. Yeah. 
Well, and those obstacles, if pushed through, that's as resistance. That's what makes you stronger. I mean, that's what weight. That's what weight training is. Weight training is resistance. So if you push against the, a small weight, that builds up your ability to push up a larger weight, to push up a larger weight, to push up a larger weight, and that's resistance training, right? We train against that resistance. In business, as an entrepreneur, there's going to be resistance. There's going to be pissed off customers. There's going to be mad partners. There's going to be employees who do stupid stuff. There's going to be all this stuff that happens. All that is resistance. And if you give up. You're just a business owner, man. But if you push through as an entrepreneur, success awaits on the other side of that resistance. I, I completely agree. We should have a whole show on the dumbest things that happen in business and <laughs> all of the failures and, you know, uh, all the times your employees were arrested. And, like, I've got stories forever on all the dumb stuff that happens. And as an entrepreneur, you have to push through. Yep. Hundred uh, percent. I, I want to do. I want to do this. This is not normally what I would do on a podcast, but because you and I are in this this mastermind together, I want to plug uh, the concept of masterminding in general. And not because I'm trying to sell one uh, of my own, but I think that the mastermind that group that we are a part of is called the Ranch. It's here in Nashville, and we have separate groups. So there's 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 group Alpha, and there's group uh, Bravo, and then we're, we're gonna, all these different groups. You were instrumental in kind of, and it wasn't your vision as the founder, but you're instrumental in kind of that thing getting off the ground. Would you like to take a minute and just talk a little bit about the concept of mastermind and why that's important and why men and women should be a part of these? Yeah. So first of all, Colin Brace was the guy who came up with the mastermind that we're in, and he was on that, you know, that invisible line, and he got to the bottom of the line, and all I did was come and prop him back up, and he's taken it for uh, to what it is today. So he gets all the credit. From a mastermind standpoint, I can't think of a better way to learn and to grow as a business owner than to learn from somebody who's already done it. So when we're sitting in our group and we're sitting with people in Nashville that are the best at their subject matter, that are running the rubber off the road trying to achieve big, big things, who share the same value system, when somebody says, hey, I gotta, I gotta tell you something, you're really going this direction, it's the wrong way. You listen and you say, okay, great. Or you say, hey, gosh, Jason, I got a problem. How do I solve it? And you help me solve it. So I think that that mastermind group or a mastermind group is imperative to the success of the business. I've heard you say you need a business coach and a bookkeeper to get started. Part of the business coach could be a really, really great mastermind group. Yeah, and the reason I, the reason I teach that about business coaches and bookkeepers is because those are the two things that are essential to give you that out, outside perspective. Because what you don't know is the thing that will kill you. It's not what you do know and you're afraid of. That you can push through. It's what you don't know that will kill you. And that's why business coaches or masterminds that can substitute in some ways for a business coach can give you that perspective. And I think that our experience in the ranch here in Nashville has been, uh, you know, of course it was interrupted with well, the world situation that was going on over the last 18 months. But through all of that, there were 10 of us guys that were the 2 a.m. friends, so to speak. You'd call and say, hey, man, life just punched me in the face. I need help with this. And we've celebrated marriages. We've celebrated babies being born, like your baby was born, and we all celebrated that. Like, we can celebrate that together, and then when we get together, we can push on each other a little harder and say, you should be doing this, and you should be doing this. So I, lo I love what you said about that, and I think that if you're in Nashville, I'll, I'll do make this plug. If you're in Nashville and that's something of interest to you, I think probably the best way would be to reach out. What, well, what do you think? What do you think is the best way? I was going to say to just contact me, and I'll put him in touch with Colin, but do you know a better way to go? I think that's probably best, contact yeah. you and I'll echo what you said. Like it's a safe place. Uh, if you've got a place that's a, a safe place from a mastermind, reach out to Jason. He can get you in one here. But that's really what it's been for us. Whether it's I'm really struggling, or it's Hey guys, my goal is to make two million dollars this year. There's not a lot of place you can say Hey, I'm struggling. I might be done, and I want to make two million dollars. <laughs> in that, a mastermind is a group of people that can say. I'm excited for your success and I'm going to help you through your failure. Yes, and that, that ties in, and one of the reasons I was comfortable bringing it up, not only with you because you and I have that experience together, but it ties in with the keys to success, which is right place, right time, and right yeah. people. And I think that what, what a mastermind gives you, and whether or not you want to do the ranch, that, that, that this whole point is not about the ranch, although if somebody wanted to do that, just call me, get in touch with me through my email on my website. But you need to get involved in a mastermind. If you are an entrepreneur, whether you're an entrepreneur at the very beginning or you're a seasoned entrepreneur or you're somewhere in between, 
having other men or women who are doing the same thing that you get to rub elbows with and, and sharpen, sharpen yourself against, I think is really good. I know that there's a, there's another group here in, in, in Nashville and, and they, they tout themselves as iron sharpening iron group based on the proverb uh, from King Solomon about how one man sharpens another as iron sharpens iron. And really, if you look at the way that, that's, that was written, it says it, it brightens or sharpens their face. I think that's what it, I think what it means. And what, what the mastermind does to me is it makes me smile. It changes my countenance. It changes the way I go and look at the world. And I love, I don't know, I, I just saw that for the first time this week. I'd never thought about that before, but I was reading that proverb and I went, it actually means sharpen their face. It's not just to make you wittier or smarter. It's like you want to brighten your countenance. And I think if you're in the right mastermind, whether it's an online group or in-person group, I think it can sharpen your face. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. All right. So we've given, we've talked about your definition of success. You were very humble in whether or not you felt you were successful. We talked about the five P's of success. You gave a little bit of advice to these entrepreneurs that are starting out. What else? Like, how can we get in touch with Mike Dahlke? Yeah. If somebody's out there right now, like, I'm a blue-collar guy. I want to be an entrepreneur. I don't know how to get into it. But that guy sounds like somebody can help me. How would they get in touch with you? The easiest way is to go to redhookinvestments.com, redhookinvestments.com. Fill out the contact form, and we will uh, reach out to you or Jessica will get in touch with you and have a conversation before uh, we have one so that we know what your success criteria are for a conversation, and we'll have one. One of the things that I know, too, that, that uh, about you is that in 2021, this year, you and some partners just bought a convention, which is an unconventional pur purchase. So that's there's probably some people listening to this that are like you. They're the blue collar. They're in the service businesses. They want to start businesses. That convention may be a way to give them some help. So you want to talk about that? Yeah, sure. So we bought a convention uh, in COVID uh, for, I know we're, we're probably time, not time stamping, time stamping this episode, but we're the crazy entrepreneur who buys a convention when you're not allowed to gather to talk to each other. So it is a turnaround and that's part of the passion that we have. But if you're interested and you are a blue collar person, go to thehugeconvention.com or email info at thehugeconvention.com and you can get in touch with us there. We'd love to have you. If you're someone that wants to speak, we can get you in touch with that. If you're someone that wants to exhibit it, or if you just want to come and hang out with a bunch of really cool dudes that like country music and drinking beer, we're the place for you. <laughs> so it's thehugeconvention.com. Absolutely. All right, so make sure you go check that out. All right, before I sign off for the episode today, is there anything else you want to throw out there for today for the guests or for the listeners that are listening? I would say the last thing is... If you're struggling or you're in business and you feel stuck, the number one way to get unstuck from a content standpoint is for 30 days, read the book of Proverbs, one chapter a day, one chapter a day, one chapter a day, 30 days, you're going to be done. And I guarantee at the end of 30 days, you're going to feel differently and you're going to have new perspectives. So the last thing I will say is for the people that aren't in the car thinking about starting, but the people that are in the car thinking about quitting. Just read one proverb chapter a day, and at the end of it, you'll feel better, you'll have new wisdom, and it'll be really, really good for you. That's a great, great way to finish it up. So thank you, Mike, for being here. I appreciate it. This has been, this has been a great conversation. So, uh, so there you have it, guys. This is, uh, this, is, well, this is why I do this. I want to get together with super successful entrepreneurs and talk with them about their keys to success. And just like we heard from Mike on this podcast episode, is that those five keys unlock the door to success for him and they are the same keys that will unlock success for you so make sure that you are using those keys of passion right place right time knowing the right people preparation and plan and if you need uh, if you need a little assistance with that if you're thinking how do i know if i've got the the if, if i can use these keys well i've created a set an assessment for you completely free of charge go to therealjasonduncan.com success and there's a 17 question assessment there on your probability of success because so many people just like you are wondering can i make it is this gonna work will i succeed if i if i jump out on this this idea and that little assessment, 70 questions, you take that, takes you, it doesn't take very long. You'll get a personalized report emailed directly to you as soon as the assessment's over, and you can find out what your probability of success is. So go do that. Now, the other thing I want to talk about before we sign off, the very last thing I want to say is that part of my mission and my vision 
as a coach, as an entrepreneur, is I want to see a thousand entrepreneurs start a thousand businesses every year. And, and to that end, of course, I coach people. I do group coaching. I do masterminds. I do one-on-one. And, and those, are, those are things that you can pay for. You can reach out to me. But to fulfill that mission on a regular basis, I give an hour of coaching away for free every single week to one entrepreneur somewhere in the world. And that could be you. So if you want to apply for that free one hour of coaching, all you got to do is go to therealjasonduncan.com slash free coaching. And there's a, just put in your name, your email address, and why you want to be coached. My team will review your answer. And if it meets our qualifications, we'll reach out and schedule that one free hour of coaching with you because I'm the real Jason Duncan. I help real entrepreneurs deal with real issues. So if you want that, reach out to me. Again, thank you for being here. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for listening. Thanks for leaving me a good review. I'm the real Jason Duncan. This is the root of all success, and I'll see you next week when we talk to another amazingly successful entrepreneur, Entrepreneur, it's easy for me to say, about how he or she got to their success. Until then, remember this, Jesus is king. Thank you for listening to another edition of The Root of All Success with the real Jason Duncan. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, we invite you to visit therootofallsuccess.com to access the show notes and other helpful resources. Take charge of your business. Grow it from great to incredible. Join us again next time here on The Root of All Success. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.